Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today, I have Mark with me. How's it going, Mark? Great, thanks. I think it took me around nine episodes for me to not forget to introduce you at the beginning, which I'm pretty proud of myself. I thought I, it would take more, actually. I feel like a very valued and important <laughs> team now. Thanks. And today, guys, we're going to talk about travel hacks. So, you know, as an online entrepreneur, first of all, you have the opportunity to travel because you can be running a lot of your business from your laptop or even from your phone. I run a lot of things from my phone personally. I very much enjoy it. And you might be traveling for many reasons. You might be going to a conference. You might be meeting a partner. You might be going to a mastermind. There are many reasons for which you're going to be traveling. And there are a lot of things to think about when you're traveling and walking at the same time. And today we're going to talk about all the little travel hacks, tips and tricks that we have for you. And Mark is actually a specialist at that. So he's going to talk a little bit more, but I have some as well. And we'll try to make your business traveling a little bit nicer. So take it away, Mark. Yeah. So this is basically just an episode. Where we're just going to go through a big list of little cool things, tips and tricks that we've kind of discovered in our many years of, of traveling. And this is not just like buy your a- tickets early. Yeah, with not stuff like the obvious stuff, but specifically for online entrepreneurs, people who are maybe going somewhere for a couple of months to live and work online. And there's certain things that you need to be aware of and certain things which you need to do, which are different if you're, go from, if you're just going on vacation for two weeks. So I'm just going to start going through them. The first thing, and I guess the most important area to think about is internet access. Now, it kind of goes without saying, but you'd be surprised how many online entrepreneurs that we know make big mistakes with this one. (laughs) I knew this guy who rented an apartment for a month in Budapest on Airbnb and it didn't have internet. Who was it? Uh, I'm not going to mention the name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So basically... I'm just going to go through all my tips then. Tip number one would be buy a local SIM card wherever you go. Whether you're going for a short weekend break or a few months, buy a local SIM card, put it on your phone. Make sure you have an unlocked phone and you can use 3G or 4G or whatever G it is, depending on when you're listening to this, and get internet access on your phone. And this is important for, you know, just for checking emails and just basically getting around, making things easier. If you use your SIM card from home, international data roaming is notoriously expensive. Unless you have the T-Mobile unlimited data roaming SIM card from the US, I think, if that's still even valid. But even that, I think it's only at like fairly slow speed that you get free data roaming. So it's always worth getting yes. local SIM cards. And you can always buy them, always buy them at the airports when you arrive. I was going to ask, where do you buy the SIM card? Yeah, so you buy them at the airport when you arrive. Vodafone and all these phone companies usually have stores there. You can also check prepaid-data-sim-card.wikia.com. We'll link that in the show notes. That sounds so scammy. It's a community-driven wiki of like 
how to get cheap 3G in all countries in the world. It's a fantastic resource, despite the terrible uh, URL. <laughs> the other thing is, if when you are somewhere and you're looking for Wi-Fi, most McDonald's actually have free Wi-Fi, and there's McDonald's basically anywhere you want to go. And apparently also they have decent coffee as well, which is quite cheap. I don't drink coffee, so I wouldn't know, but uh, that's something someone told me once. The other thing is, and Gail actually, you put me onto this, is the yeah, Instabridge Insta app. Yeah, it's really good, actually. It's uh, Basically, it is a Google map for free Wi-Fis around wherever you want. And you can actually now download offline maps, so you can actually choose a city. And it's going to, if you want Wi-Fi, if you want internet, you just open the app. It's going to show you all the hotspots around. And it's going to show you the internet speed on most of them as well. And for a lot of hotspots, you know, restaurants and cafes and stuff, you need a password, right? And sometimes it's just annoying to go and ask and stuff. Well, actually, this crowdsources all the passwords as well. So when you walk into a cafe or a restaurant or something, it says, hey, there's Wi-Fi available here. Do you want to connect? And you click yes, and boom, it connects. It puts the password in, and you have internet right away. This is like my – it's really, really good when you're traveling. Uh, yeah. And it's free, actually. It's a free and you app. Can, because it's crowdsourced as well, when you put a password in, you can choose whether you want to give access to everyone in, who uses the app or just you know your friends or just yourself. But it basically opens up millions of hotspots that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. So it's not just you know free, unsecured Wi-Fi, but it's like password-protected Wi-Fi as well that you can get access to. Which it's is mostly awesome. password-protected Wi-Fi, actually. I find, though, that it does slow down my Wi-Fi like logging on process a bit like the app's not that fast i don't know if you experience the same thing yeah it's just not super optimized it's pretty hacky yeah so actually somewhat similar point is when for navigating around you can actually use google maps offline now so it uses like the gps in your phone plus like the google maps technology to help you navigate so if you're going somewhere you can sort of zoom in on the city or the area within the city you want to go to and then you in the search bar you type OK Maps, OK Space Maps, and it will download that whole area which you have selected as an offline map. And you can use that on your phone wherever you want to go. It's yeah. a pretty handy tip if you're you know, trying to navigate, find your hotel or something like that. Actually, you don't even need to type OK Maps. That was kind of the high key way of doing it. But now when you actually open a certain area on the map and you open, you click on the search bar, there is a button now that says download a new offline area and you click that button and just download stuff. And you can actually manage your offline maps as well in the menu now. They just added it, right? So you don't even need to type OK Maps anymore. It's just an option when you click on the search bar when you're on an area. And it's super useful, especially if you use the GPS to like drive around and stuff. I used it to drive around Croatia this summer. And that saved us a lot of time because it took us to the right direction. We didn't have to have a GPS or anything. And it's turn by turn. So it's really, 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 really good. Use the offline maps. Cool. Is that, is that it for the internet? Yeah, pretty much. The next sort of section is around flying. Now, I'm going to start off by saying this, and it may sound super obvious to you, but there, you'd be surprised there are some people that still don't know about this. When you're searching for flights, use a site like kayak.com, which is like a flight comparison tool. Now, still, most people will use that, type in where they're going, where they want to go to, and just use it. 
as it is. But actually, in Kayak, there's an option. If you go to the homepage, there's an option where you select plus minus three days. So you select the date you want to go, and it will give you sort of a range of seven days around that date, three in the past, three in the future. And that actually is searching many, many, many more possibilities. Gives you a table, right, as well? Yeah. Like the best time. Exactly. So you might might want to go somewhere, but you might it might be half the price if you go the day before, and you might not realize that. So I always would recommend using that to search for a flight. Also, you can include nearby airports from areas. So you know, for example, if you wanted to fly from Thailand back to Budapest for us, really Vienna is only two or three hours of train away. If there is a flight that's like half the price to Vienna, it might be worth it. And, yeah, and if you're using big cities like London instead of or New York, instead of selecting JFK Airport or London Heathrow Airport, type in the city name, so NYC or LON for London, and it will select the whole city, like all five airports or whatever there is in, in London these days. It's quite useful. To How much about. money do you say like someone can save on like a round trip from Europe to Asia by doing proper research? Oh, I mean, like, if you really want to get into it, then you need to investigate, like, buying two separate tickets and taking a low-cost carrier to somewhere, a hub that's just closer to your destination. And then there are actual companies which you can pay money to, which will... Yeah, um, I was actually going to bring it up. It's like, I actually use one called flightfox.com when I was going to Asia. And it's basically, you can crowdsource this crazy research for you so you can just say i'm going from here to here and people do all the research and you can pay like 30 40 50 bucks i think for people to do that job and usually you save like hundreds of dollars so it can be worth it if you actually if you're really trying to save money on your traveling for the big trips i think it's worth it actually and especially if you're going like business class or something as well it's going to be much cheaper okay so once you have your flight sorted use seatguru.com to figure out what kind of plane you're on and what the seat map of the airline looks like, figure out where the good seats are, where the bad seats are. has a lot of information in there. What's a good seat and what's a bad seat? Usually like an exit row seat is a good one. You can't always get those by checking in online. You sometimes need to go, you need to actually physically be there because you need to, only certain people can sit there. Basically, you need to be an able-bodied person. But SeatGuru also shows you things like where the power sockets are, you know, in some American airlines specifically, they have more power sockets further forward. So, you know, just like little things like that you need to pay attention to. And it's also very good for avoiding sitting near the toilets or the galleys, which the seat map when you're checking in might not show. So, yeah, a couple of cool seat tricks, though, is if there's two of you, what to do is pick when you're checking in, pick one person to go in the aisle and one person to go to the window. So basically, you have three seats, right? And then if someone else ends up sitting between you, you just switch because that person will always be happy to switch for an aisle or for a window because the middle is the worst seat by far. So it also, but by positioning yourself there, it means that someone else is much much less likely to pick the middle seat in between you. So the last one people want to pick, right? Exactly. So you have more chance of having three seats between the two of you. And this works the same if you're just flying by yourself. Pick a seat, pick like the aisle seat. seat I always pick an aisle seat in a row of three when someone else has picked the window seat. It makes it more likely that the middle seat will be free and we just have a little bit more room. Okay, I usually actually pick the middle one thinking that there's very few like single travelers 
And so I'm just hoping that I can move one side or the other. But if it doesn't happen, if there's actually two other people you're screwed and you're in the middle. Oh, that's too, that's a much higher risk. Yeah, yeah. So I would avoid that. The best trick though is just before you're going on the, and this works best if you're traveling on your own, but just before you're going on the plane. So just before boarding starts, go up to the desk and ask if there's any empty rows, empty rows of seats. Because 20 minutes or 30 minutes before takeoff, just as boarding's about to start, or even as boarding has started, you can actually, like, no one else is going to be checking in, right? I think most planes close check-in about 40 minutes before departure, for international at least. So around about that time, you can safely go up to the desk and say, is there any empty rows? And get a whole row to yourself. And no one else is going to be, or very few people after that are going to be changing their tickets around or changing their seats around. So there's a very high chance you'll you'll get it. There's many times I've gotten three seats or even sometimes four seats all to myself on, on intercontinental flights. And it's an absolute godsend to if you're tall like me. So Cool. The next one is collect frequent flyer miles. So there are three major frequent flyer miles, or major airline alliances, One World, Sky Team, and Star Alliance. So you need to have one account per alliance. So you need to pick three airlines, one in each alliance, and then put all your miles on that. Don't spend those miles on anything except long-haul intercontinental business class travel. Why? Because it's the most efficient use per mile of spending it. If they offer you to get an exit row seat for 20,000 miles, it's not worth it, trust me. Another one is when you're at the airport, airline lounges often have free Wi-Fi. So you can actually just go sit outside the lounge and, I mean, unsecured Wi-Fi. So you can go sit outside and steal the Wi-Fi. I do that all the time, actually. And also, you you can usually, most airports have a lounge where you can actually pay for access. And sometimes it's expensive, but sometimes it's really worthwhile. I remember this one time we're coming back from from North America via, I think it was Dusseldorf in Germany. And we had like a six-hour layover and paid 20 euros to get into this lounge and basically got a shower for that internet power and two full meals, breakfast and lunch, in the lounge. And we would easily spend 20 euros on, on food you know, at the, the cafe in that time. And you know, it was quiet, so two of my friends actually slept for a few hours there as well. So there are times when it can be really worthwhile. When you fly somewhere, you land and you get off the plane and you want to take a taxi, don't go to the... I mean, this depends how busy it is, but if there's a long line at the taxi rank, you can actually just go upstairs or wherever the drop-off point is and you can just get in a taxi who's dropping someone else off. This is particularly useful in somewhere like Southeast Asia, which often has... Bangkok, yeah. Often you wait an hour for a taxi there. Just Honestly, just take the elevator, go upstairs, find the drop-off area, and there's taxis dropping off people. Literally, there'll be 10 there as you go outside. Just pick one of them. Even if the first guy says no because he's trying to be nice, one of them will very quickly say yes because they don't want to wait in that line to pick up uh, another passenger. And finally, this is an obvious one, but airlines will lose your bag sometimes, so usually they'll find it again. So definitely don't leave your laptop in there. Take that and carry on. Any electronics you want with you, basically. Yeah, anything valuable. (laughs) I always take like an extra pair of socks and underwear, an extra t-shirt and stuff on long flights, you know, just in case they lose it and it's going to be another day before I get it back. I don't have to wear like the sweaty stuff I've been wearing for the last 24 hours. So Fair enough. Okay. 
Transportation? Yeah. So I guess it's somewhat similar to back home. Like, the, I think this depends where you live, but use Uber or whatever local version of, of Uber there is available. It's just much better and you've much, you hardly ever get ripped off on using these services, certainly never with Uber. And Uber is usually cheaper than the, the actual taxi fare. And that's why you buy a SIM card at the airport, by the way. Yep, it's another reason. Airports, train stations, even like shopping centers, major hotels are notorious for having like taxi touts and taxis which will rip you off. In Budapest, whenever you arrive, there's always people saying, asking if you want a taxi, and they'll charge you five times what an official taxi will charge you. But, you know, a lot of foreigners coming here don't know. They don't know the currency. They haven't really prepared themselves for that. So always check, like, what the situation is, where you're going before you get there. Wiki Travel is a very good good place to figure that out. They usually have information about getting to and from the airport there, and it's a wiki, so it's usually updated about the latest info. But if you stick to Uber, you can't really go wrong. I'd say it's pretty safe to say that any guy with a taxi sign outside of the, just when you get out of the door at the airport, is going to try to rip you off. Yeah, if someone's unofficial taxi, or even smells like an unofficial taxi, like, avoid them. Really. And they also, you know, it's not just about the price, it's like these people are going to take you to like shops that pay them to bring sh- tourists and everything. Yeah, and or you can get robbed in some countries. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a little dangerous. I had a really good one in Vietnam, actually. The guy took us to a hostel which had the same name as our hostel, but it was like a scam. So I figured it out because like, the, I asked them. Uh, it was like a, a well-publicized scam that they do in Hanoi in Vietnam. Nowhere else in the world, I think, do they do this. But you know, this is just why you should check sites like Wiki Travel for these kind of local tips. And yeah, you should check where it's on the map as well, where you're going, and kind of like check the itinerary as well. Because yep. they could either take you somewhere else, but they could also you know, go around the whole city. And sometimes just calling them out on it quickly, they will fix everything and that's it. You know? That actually happened to me in New York City, actually. Yeah, yeah. They make a lot of money that way. And you're going to end up with a $50 cab ride when it should be 20 or something. So you, you're going to save quite a bit of money that way. I always do that. And that's why I have the offline maps, actually. So yep. I can check it. And whenever you're trying to get a taxi somewhere, if you ask how much it is, ask how much it is, but don't settle on what the taxi driver <laughs> says get an idea of what it should cost and then insist on the meter. If a taxi is ever not using the meter, then he's ripping you off. The only time when you ever really should do that is it seems to be in Asia when it's yeah. raining because no taxi will use their meter ever in Southeast Asia when it, when it rains for some reason. There is a lot of like fake meters in Vietnam as well. So I actually, I don't know why it's always in Vietnam. I'm sorry, guys, if you're in Vietnam, but uh, it happened to me where the, the meter would go like five times faster than a normal meter and then yeah. just like cheat them and stuff. So you need to, to still look out and probably that's, look at the official that, rate. That, the, the meter that's happened to me in Malaysia and in Vietnam and in Budapest actually happened yeah. once. But the solution to that is call them out on it and insist that you will not pay that. Any taxi driver who's ripping you off what always happens is very quickly, I mean, they'll say they're not, it's fine, it's fine, It's this is how it is, you have to pay, you have to pay. But like, be very insistent that you're not going to pay that because you know that's not the real price. The real price is a lot less. And what always happens is very quickly the taxi driver will, will say, well, how much do you want to pay? 
Yeah. And as soon as they say that, you've got them because you know the, that they are actually genuinely ripping you off at this point. And then, I, didn't you actually in Budapest that happened? You what, just walked away once? I knew it was going to come. I was thinking about it. Yeah, so when taxis, like for a while in Budapest, it was not very well reglemented, not anymore. But, you know, taxis would basically practice whatever rate they want when you grab them in the street. And and it would be pretty frequent that they try to charge you like 30 or 40 bucks for like a five-minute thing. And and I would always just walk away and say, well, you can run after me or you can lose your car to the next thief passing by. That used to be my answer. I don't recommend this to people, but that is my French nerves, I guess. Yeah. Um, it happened to me in Vietnam. We sort of walked away a bit, and then he came, and it was like, oh, you know, like, you have to pay. And we paid him, like, I don't know, what we thought it should have been anyway. But really, I mean, it's very rare that taxi drivers will get violent or something if they if they are trying to rip you off, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, yeah, it's okay. and, and don't don't get mad or don't get angry, but just be very like forceful and like kind of state your point and don't back down, you know. Yeah, in certain countries, it's just part of the local culture, I would say. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of that's transportation, in terms of accommodation, some good tips are always ask for confirmed Wi-Fi speeds beforehand oh, and make sure that it's not a 3G or a, a 3G connection, you know, where they have like a SIM card and like a like just a router plugged directly into that SIM card or whatever. So make sure it's like a landline ADSL. That reminds me of a certain trip in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, we messed up on that. But I've had, I mean, that still we had, at least we had internet. You know, I've had people who, you know, I'm not going to mention names, but, you know, they've, they've just fly out, had not had any internet or not had any Wi-Fi, which is just ridiculous in this day and age. And your 3G goes out really fast. Like you can't just rely on your 3G all the time. It's kind of like a, a safety, but you can't count on the SIM card you bought at the airport. Yeah, the whole time. It's just you're gonna spend so much money and what I always do. What I always do on Airbnb is I message them before I book. I say, "Look, I work online. I'm an entrepreneur, and it's imperative that I have stable and reliable and fast internet during this. How fast is your internet?" And I send them the link to speedtest.net to like for them to check and ask them to send me a screenshot of it back. And they don't always send the screenshot. Sometimes they just tell me. Um, but you know, that's me sort of stating that I need internet. Yeah. And if there's any ever any problems, I'm like straight on. I'm like, look, you promised that to that you would have internet. It doesn't, or it's not fast enough. Like, fix it. Otherwise, I'm calling Airbnb. And you know, the last thing Airbnb hosts one are negative reviews because they really hurt your Airbnb rankings. and Conversion rate as well, yeah. Yeah, it's not a good thing to have. Another thing I wanted to say about the internet and accommodations is a lot of hotels, you know when you have to log in with a login and a password, you know they have these systems in hotels? Yep. They will cap your connection. And actually I was in a hotel in Bangkok something like two years ago, and they had a 30 megabits per second connection in the hotel, which would be fine for me. But each username would be limited to 1.5 megabits per second. And that was extremely slow. But they tend to have one or two logins for admins where it's uncapped. And you can actually ask for this at the reception or even call them for them to plan for it before. And they give you this special login and password and it's uncapped actually. That's how I get decent internet in hotels when it's notoriously terrible. That's a pretty good tip actually. So I think the the general thing here is just 
get in touch before you book and sort of say that this is a big deal for you and usually they'll be able to accommodate you in in, in most yeah, cases. Yeah, that's right. They're always helpful usually. Yeah. Also, don't book like a place long term until you've sort of seen it. So if you're going to stay somewhere for two months and you haven't been there to try the internet or had them run the speed test, then be careful. <laughs> Yep. Similarly, ask to see the room if you're staying somewhere like in a local hotel, which is not like it doesn't have photos advertised or, you know, just has the, the stock, stock images of the hotel. Like go and see the physical room that they're going to give you. And if they're, you know, what happens when you say that you want to see the room first is they'll always give you the best room that they have available because they know that that's going to make your, your decision to be based on that. Whereas if you pay before you go, check it out, you know, they might give you the worst one. And although they may, both rooms might be on the same tier, one might be, you know, the corner room with a nice view and one might be the one with no window or something. And you it's, know? That, it's as simple as asking when you're checking in, actually. Like, yeah. you can book online then when you check in, you say, can I see the room? And I'll come down later to pay. And that actually makes, I actually saw people change their keys when I say that. Actually, Yeah. A friend of mine actually also suggests that you can actually bribe or tip or I don't know what the right word is in this case but basically give the person you're checking into the hotel with like 20 bucks or 50 bucks or something and be like can you arrange for a nice room for me say that and I haven't he, tried he, it was uh, Tan from AsianEfficiency.com said this on his podcast I, I've never tried doing that but I'm certainly going to give it a go Actually, we have him in two podcasts. It's podcast number 13, so people will be able to listen to that. Cool. So I'm definitely I'm going away tomorrow, so I'm going to try that when I check in, see what <laughs> happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the last thing about accommodation is Airbnb is not always cheaper than a hotel. It can be more expensive in some places, but I think for an online entrepreneur, it's a better option because it feels more like home. You usually have somewhere proper to work there, like a dining table or an actual desk. If you don't have a desk, you can always ask for a desk, and you'd be surprised how many landlords will be able to source one quite quickly and a nice office chair for you to, to work in. I don't know. I always feel much more relaxed staying in an Airbnb for more than a few days than like a hotel because you can like cook there yourself, and it just feels more like a home. Yeah, there's just like desks in hotels tend to be the worst anyway. So yeah, I also like it a lot more. I don't mind paying a little bit more. Obviously, it depends on your finances, but it's, it, yeah, Airbnb is just nicer. Okay, so I think actually what we're going to do at this point is finish here, and we'll need to do a part two of Travel Hacks because I have so many more to get through, and we're not even halfway yet. So All right. I think this is a, a good point at the end of accommodation. We talked about flights, accommodation, internet, transportation. So we'll go through the sort of gadgets all right. and all the other stuff after no worries. So, guys, thank you for listening. We're sorry we're cutting in half, but that podcast would become an hour-plus-long podcast. And we're not doing this anymore. So, if you want to see all the show notes for this episode, you can go on atarihacker.com slash 1111. And you'll be able to find all the tools we talked about, all the prepaid SIM card websites and SIDGuru and all the stuff we talked about for you to travel in the best conditions possible as an entrepreneur so you can stay productive while you're traveling. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks. And guys, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Have a good day. 
Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training. 